Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Welcome to another edition of the most awesomest, awesomer, awesomest podcast about marketing money and money and marketing and marketing your money that there is in the universe. You think in the universe? In the universe. Y- yes. In our, in our universe. Yeah. This is John Oxford, your fancy host and Along with the co-host cohort, classy, classy co-host, classy co-host, and uh, hey, guess what I did last week, Joshua? The week before last week, actually. Uh, guess I had my one opportunity to go on Fox News, Fox Business News, oh. and speak on national television. Congratulations! The redneck came out like nobody's business. I blink a lot too, which is very funny, yeah, and I'm self-conscious come- about it because you don't notice it watching it once, but once you watch it. Again, you start picking up on it, and I'll, I've, I've got some problems. To, to all of you out there, it doesn't come across in the podcast, but on when when John Oxford is video recorded, he blinks more than any other human being, and it turns out that I don't blink at all. So, so it's a very odd combination. The, the contrast of lizard eyes that I enjoy versus... Versus the strobe light on the other side of the table. Is, um, so so <laughs> when and if we ever bring this to video... And I think we're going to soon. Yeah, that might not be a bad segue to tell you that the Marketing Money Show will be coming soon because the only thing better than listening to us is looking at us while you listen to us. Yes. Uh, so we will have a podcast and a show. We're thinking about in the coming months, but sooner rather than later, working on a little setup and getting our cameras perfected and getting our stage presence taken we're in, care of. We're in the set right now as it's being built. But there ain't no cameras today. But I could, um, we could describe the beautiful wooden walls that... They're rather bamboo-ish looking. Well, that, that's... I don't know. I think that's birch. It probably is. But anyway... Uh, I'm going to put the link on this podcast. So Bobby, he's our producer. He probably doesn't want his name attached to anything with this. Uh, I'm going to send you that link to put in there so people can see my shining face and my uh, blinkiness. On he had the, a good one-liner. I'm not going to spoil it for no, you. No, we'll leave it to the but, to, but, to, to the to the show. But I, I was pretty happy to be on there. It was a little nerve-wracking when they're like, you're live in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and they give you an entirely different topic than you discussed going on the show. Hey, so, so it goes. Hey, you got Live by the... Show, and that's what you call a pivot. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about checking you and check you back. Check me. I'll check you back checking today. Checking. Well, I mean, it's... It's is, a lot more complicated than it has to be. Yes. Because banks love to make things complicated. Well, I mean, this is one of those good opportunities to have a meeting about a meeting in a bank. Like, we're going to offer new checking accounts. Uh, we we should have a committee on meetings that sets up sub meetings to meet about those meetings. Yeah. How, what do what do people want out of their checking account? Well, let, let's start if we can by naming the eleven. Well, there's there's a lot of them, but the the various types of checking accounts to begin with. I'm going to walk through these. Are you ready, Mr. Mabus? Mm-hmm. Let's start with number one is an online check online 
Is it own or on? I have this weird accent because I've grown up in too many different places. I've, I've lived in too many different places. But anyway, online checking. There are online checking accounts. There are second chance checking accounts. That's for the banks that uh, do not have different checking services to look at the background of folks opening accounts, see if they've charged off accounts somewhere else. So there's second chance checking. There are business checking accounts. You've got those. That's three. There's uh, interest bearing checking accounts. Got your money market, your whatever we pay you to keep a certain level with us. You got express checking accounts. Express. What's that mean? Uh, those are the checking accounts that just provide you with ATM access and a little bit of checking, and it's just kind of like your real quick just express account. That's what they're calling. Well, that sounds made up. Well, no, I'm I'm getting I'm gonna get to it. I'm gonna. Get that to sounds it. like what I would call a checking account. That is the express checking accounts. Checking account. Free checking, which has almost gone the way of the dodo. Well, I mean, how are you going to pay to keep... See, so what What gets me is that, that folks don't understand that banks are businesses and have to... Like, keeping your money safe... Costs money. Costs money. And look, okay, so fees, no fees, all that. But I, I own a business. Yes. And I charge people for my services, which yes. is marketing. Yes. And at some point, the service that banks provide, which is keeping your money safe and accessible... Worldwide, so you don't have to carry a wad of cash with you and get and highwaymen overtake you by the wayside. Pirates wish they had banks, so they just didn't yeah. have gold doubloons in their pockets. Yeah, but I mean, that's went. what this stuff was created for, right? To, for your money to be protected and accessible. And that service now has gotten, it's a dirty word that you can make money off of your service. And look, I'm not just talking about fees. I mean, just... Well, there were, there were ways that banks in the past could offset for free checking. Uh, one was debit card interchange fee, mm-hmm. which was hurt. Uh, sec- Especially if you're a bank over yeah. 10 and, billion. And second was um, what you would call overdraft fees, which, you know, things have changed now, so that's not the way it used to be. But it used to be you didn't opt in or out. You just had an overdraft. Well, yeah, because you just did a short-term loan, so it's a high-interest short-term loan. Well, you, or a fee of the, of right. it. but you would, but so you had overdraft fees, you had deposit fee, you had deposit fee, and then some checking accounts for different things like interest, and maybe it did something special, you would charge a fee for that. Uh, but then everyone went free checking to, to pull the masses in, mm-hmm. and those other fees of the debit card and perhaps your your uh, overdrafts, if if depending on how you did it, would offset that. But then you, but then we had lawsuits, restacking, opt-in, opt-out. Dodd-Frank came in with the Durbin Amendment, and it got rid of a lot of the ways banks make money, for better or worse. If you're a consumer, it might have been a good thing. Right. I'm not arguing over the, the politics of it or the policy, but free, free checking's hard to do when you don't have a way to pay for it internally for your bank because you've got someone up there that's got to manage the checking. Right. And, you know, obviously, let's acknowledge that we do know that banks make money off the spread lending on the deposit. But, I mean, there's still cost to service the loans and, frankly, with a low Fed rate. But protection overall, I mean, there was a massive cyber attack this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to be able to protect online banking, protect the checking accounts, uh, and then pay for the insurance for the checking accounts. Yeah. People forget that member FDIC means you're a member of a group that you pay to be insured. insured. Yes, exactly. There is student checking accounts. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's one there. You've that got, sounds like a checking account for students. It is, depending on if they're actually a student or just the age of a student. Yeah. You've got senior checking accounts, which I'm finding more and more that people that are in that age group don't want to be referred to as senior. Yeah. Especially the kind of since the baby boomer generation, the reactivation of a senior lifestyle folks of that age. Yeah. 
Well, like grandparents now don't want to be called me, ma, and papa. I mean, it's younger grandparents. And they're very active. And so when they see senior checking, like, I'm not senior. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, you've got that. Talk, and there's joint checking accounts. That Well, that's just the way it's set up. I don't mm-hmm. know that that delineates how it actually operates. And then there's uh, um, money market checking accounts. And I, I Googled this up from – this is an older uh, article off of moneyrate.com where I was looking through for some ideas. There's some other ones in here too. They have a lifeline checking account and some other stuff. But uh, basically the, the checking accounts, I think when you're looking at a bank and you're a marketer, you probably will never have the opportunity to say what checking accounts do we need because I know as a bank that has been through seven or eight mergers, obviously we've been the acquirer all seven or eight times plus de novo into markets, et cetera. Um, we have – 20, 30, 40 different types of checking accounts that we've grandfathered into our system. And, you know, we try to mark it down to five, but that doesn't mean we don't have the other ones sitting somewhere out there. Uh, they're still complicated. They're still complicated. And look, they are rolled into 90% of them are in the five checking accounts, but there might be some little tweak out there sitting around. And, and you know, for every type of reason, we try to give the best service possible, but the accounts have to be a little adjusted for certain markets and certain things that another bank did when you acquired them. And so as a marketer, that can be very challenging. Well, yeah. How do you acknowledge that they exist? I mean, look, it's just like so many other things. It's the default position that non-marketers take on marketing, which is let's not tick anybody off. Let's keep everybody happy. When frankly, likely it would have been easier to say, when you move over to our bank, here's the checking account. I just worked with a bank that reduced from five to two. There's checking and interest checking. And they just said, you're going to get one of these. If you want interest, this is what it's like. If you want regular checking, this is what it's like. Now, does the interest checking account have the triggers in it? Yeah. As, as some people say, call it the hokey pokey. Well, both but- of them have triggers, but interest has like five or the other one has three. So something like use your debit card 10 to 12 times, a direct deposit or ACH set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're going to have um, probably take e-statements so they don't pay yeah. for and that. There's like a, Log a, on to online banking or an app once a week and then maybe maintain a minimum balance. Yeah. And, and for those five things, usually you get interest and then the reduction of a fee. Like right. you don't have to pay a fee and you get 0.75% or something on your... Well, here's the thing from a guy outside of working day-to-day in a bank. And, you know, so those 11 things while you're reading those, and just so everybody knows the structure here is that generally John prepares and I don't. So so just so you know how this goes, is I get to be tabula rasa, the, the blank slate um, to, to bounce these ideas off of, and that's why this has such good banter. But, you know, I, so I'm sitting there listening to those 11 things, and I'm just like, all right, that's, that's just a checking account. That's just a checking account. But it... We we complicate our lives so much. And like I said, we're not, you know, uh, we're product specialist, marketer. Don't come into the product meeting. Or maybe you are the product person and the marketing person, and you're in a position where you don't want to be wrong. And, and I guess that's what really motivates everybody. Is the reason you have 20 checking accounts is because nobody wanted to be the bad guy that ticked off the one. Like, this client is so important. We're customer service. We don't want to tick off these five clients. Well, and sometimes when you bring in a merger partner, they put that in as part of the deal. They yeah. said, we're not going to tick off our clients that we've had because we're a hundred year old bank and we can't wait to merge with you, but we're going to protect this relationship and protect these. But products. at the end and of I, the day, yeah. I understand, I understand yeah. the motivation, but I, I'm getting to to a, a broader point that I'll, that I'll try to make it as quickly as possible. But it's still just a checking account. Like there's minimal difference. 
And, and that's the thing is, you know. But I, ours comes with a free safety depo- safe deposit box. Right. Okay, then that's fine. Then, then, let, <laughs> then let's give, if, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, then let's give everybody that. If, if, if yours is that good and we're willing to make the concession to keep yours alive, then let's begin to, uh, well, then we have to transition everybody. Now, here's, here's the thing. To the consumer, the, the, the point I'm, I'm, I want to make in this, the consumer doesn't care until you start making them care. And my deal is that's probably not a good thing. The more they th- think about it and they consider, and you've got your 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 big matrix comparison of check boxes of this has and this. I want a card that works when I need to spend it. I want to know that someone's not breaking into my account. And then I want to be able to access my data online or on the, my phone to see what's in my account. And other than that, I, and here's the other thing too. I'm one, I, I'm not the... Uh, Brett King or whatever his name is, the guru of Bank 2.0 future world thing. But I do think that checks are going to be greatly diminished over the next few years. I, I you know, after I went down to a uh, little arts festival with my family over the weekend, and everybody there was doing mobile pay for uh, when you bought something. You, I just, mean, you uh, just paid right there. You're like, oh hey, here's my phone, or they swiped with a the square or something like that. But my point is it wasn't like write us a check. And if you didn't, there wasn't an ATM. And if you weren't keeping cash on you, usually you go to things, well, we only take cash. Now it's, we only take electronic payment. They right. don't want to handle cash because of security, losing it, whatever. They're, everything's electronic all of a sudden. Well, other than New York City and some of the big cities where you go to certain restaurants, these old established ones that are just like, we're cash only and they have a little and maybe they don't like to pay taxes. <laughs> I, I'm done. I didn't say that. Um, I, I don't know who they are. So. But but I've walked into several restaurants that I was embarrassed by the end of the meal and I had to go over the tiny little janky ATM and... and that charged you four ninety five to get yeah, your, uh, so, to and, get and, your and they 30 got, bucks out and they got that money too. Yeah, or some of it at least. But, so there might be some genius to that. Yeah, maybe it is. But here, here's the thing. I think checks... I mean, there, there's some places in our rural area that um, are cash only or they'll take a check, which is just weird. I, at this point in verifying check funds, I don't know why you would want to take one. I, the, to me, the guarantee of knowing that a transaction went through on a debit card, other, other well, than you don't want to pay the interchange fee. The, but it's but that's the point I'm getting to is it's, it's worth knowing you've got your money. Yeah. And yeah, the interchange fee go up on your prices, but we're going to tick off the customers. Is what it all comes back to. And so I only is it, but is the tick off worse with pricing or the tick off worse not paying that you not, not not accepting payment the way that the customer wants to pay? So you've yeah. got a definite well, it's, it, chicken egg well, conversation. And we here. get down to it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. There's a certain convenience store in our region that has a five dollar minimum just because they can't overcome the flat rate. Um, interchange fee, much less the you know the percentage of sales. And it's an I, unprofitable transaction if it's under five dollars. Yeah, but how, but they're also a convenience store. <laughs> That's not convenient. Yeah, so it's only convenient when it's convenient for you, like yeah. when you make your money. So what about the day that I just want a candy bar or a, a you know a breakfast bar and a and a cup of coffee and it's three twenty five. Yeah. Well, and I don't have three twenty five in cash, and now I got to go over to the little ATM. And, so, but the point is, it goes back to being to, to ticking off the customers, and I want to I want to say one of my mantras about the complications of of checking accounts is when people can be confused, they will be confused. And let me tell you, checking account offerings are confusing; they always are. I yep. wish we had our video up because I'm showing him a matrix, a simple matrix grid, yeah. with only three 
yeah, passed to open the checking accounts. And then you go to banks with five or seven, yeah. and the and you get the little walkthrough path of, well, if you have direct deposit in ACH, you'll want this one, but then you'll want to have an email so you can have e-statements. But then if you have the e-statements, you may want to go on and get the mobile app. And then if you do that, you get all of a sudden, and, and it's confusing. And so, so the rest of the mantra, the start of it to restate is, where people can be confused, they will be confused. And when people are confused, they will tune out. So you're going to lose people by attrition. And a three by three matrix isn't nine choices. It's three, three to, choices. It's three to the third power. Yes. It's three choices with whatever three to the third is in options. Yeah. So you, you've got that. Um, I would say, in my opinion, the ones that scare me the most both from the client side and the the bank side of managing it, are these kind of uh, high-wealth accounts you see a lot in major markets. And the reason I say that is because they, they look real sexy. They do. I mean, I'm going to give you $1,000 to come bank with me. Uh, you'll get $500 at opening, and you'll get another 500 after three months. If you keep $25,000 in the bank, do a direct deposit, 10 somethings a month and whatever and all that stuff, uh, it's scary to me for two reasons. One is people are moving their money for that amount, and the consumer a lot of times doesn't realize they're getting it charged back in fees. I mean, if you look at the fine print, it's ten dollars a month, it's seven fifty a month. It's something where the bank is going to make that money back. Then, secondly, they're banking on the halo effect. They're going to get a, a person there, show them so much great service that they're going to then get their mortgage, get their investment account, they're going to get their savings account, they're going to get their family. So they're looking to get whales that you know we want a thirty thousand dollar deposit or buy a CD. We'll give you this. this high cash payment for it and it scares me because it's it's like it's just going so over overboard with what you're giving the person and then you got to look at the price of the account can you borrow money less from home loan bank can you borrow money less from uh, correspondence bank versus going and and paying up for these deposits that then are really high maintenance they are high maintenance to control well there's a couple things that that are, are two or three things i take out of that one it shows you that people you know the fine print that, that people don't care. If it seems attractive, people will be attracted to it. $1,000, they can see right there in the fine print that, that they're going to get it feed back away from them. The other thing to your point about Federal Home Loan Bank or Correspondence Banks is, yes, if you're not under any capital restraints or constraints, that you know some of the smaller banks may need to pay for deposits because either they're not capitalized well enough or they're really good at lending money, but not as good at, at bringing in deposits because the big bank feels like it has a better ATM network and all that. And and that brings me to the third point is so I see when big banks do this, and I think you know your your mega banks have probably done the math and figured this out that I can pay a thousand dollars and they can play off the halo effect that they've got um, a good cross sell, not a dirty word mechanism. Hopefully that they say if we bring somebody high net worth, we're going to get their investment account, we're going to get their mortgage, we're going to get this because they have a they have a Salesforce marketing funnel plan, whatever you want to say. They've got a plan. This is the danger I get to, considering all of those, is that the small bank or the smaller bank, not the mega bank, but the small bank sees big bank come in and offer $1,000 or $500 for a checking account. And thinks we've got to do it too. And they haven't done the research, and they don't have the mechanism. That they the can't big pull the data. That, that offer, though, you rarely see it in a newspaper or on TV. It's very targeted. It's very targeted. It goes. But to, the banker brings it in, and, and marketers out there tell me. If oh, you I can't tell you how many. I cannot tell you how many times banker. a banker from another market will enter office mail me a postcard, and be like such and such 
trillion dollar bank is offering this. And I go, I don't think that's what our might not be right for our bank to do, but the competition and blah, blah, blah. Well, because you like those clients, you want that big health, but what you don't realize is the impact that has on your margin. Can, can you actually make money on them? Number two, is that your clientele? And if it is, go for them, go, go for it. And do you have the mechanism to, to get that halo effect that, so, so, I mean, you know, there's a, another chicken or egg argument. If you're going to do it, then do it and do it the right way and weigh those things out. And look, your frontline, understand your frontline bankers competing with other bankers that are under deposit quotas or deposit expectations, and they get that in the mail at their house. I mean, they're going to come beat you up as the marketer. So you have to have your plan in order. And we talk a lot about plan and strategy. You have to know why that will work for your bank or won't work for your bank. Another one of our mantras is when you're explaining, you're losing, and when you're referencing, you're winning. If you have the plan referenced and you say, this is why this doesn't work, because we can go borrow money from the Federal Home Loan Bank. Or somebody, you know, any other option We're paying $1,000 on $10,000 deposit. That's 10%, right? Am I doing my math right? I think so. <laughs> That's 10%. We can go borrow money at whatever, one and a half to two. And, and not have to do any marketing of it or what it uses or, borrow it and go lend it. Or you may not be, you may be a $500 million bank that's not capitalized well enough and you got a, you were lucky enough or, or even a billion, $2 billion bank that, that has overstepped your capital requirements because you have a crackerjack lending team. Yes. And then you have to pay for it. And you're, but you're also opening the door for bigger relationships, as you said, if you have the mechanisms, the know how to do that. So we've, we've discussed free checking a little bit. And, and where it went, and some banks do still have free checking. Free checking is kind of a product for the masses. And then we swung the pendulum all the way to talk about high payment checking. I guess what I'd call it is, is high payment checking when they pay you two fifty, five hundred, even a thousand dollars with a lot of triggers and a lot of. Uh, and look, you should have those triggers if you're going to pay someone for that. I don't want to do all that. Well, then you're not getting the payment. If you want the payment, I think there should be some expectation that you're going to have to do some things the bank needs you to do to give sticky services, bring you in, whatever, to get that pay. I mean, if it's $1,000 for $10,000, they're, they're going to have to expect to get a lot of other things out of that account at some point. Right. Well, Otherwise, you're losing money. Well, and just so we have we get tactical, you have to figure out what that $1,000 is worth or what that account is worth. I mean, it, it's about a value of currency. So again, if you're that undercapitalized bank that needs your deposits to be able to lend money and you know even at 10% that you're not, you're going to slow down your lending engine and we're not going to pay 10% on all money, but we're going to pay 10% on very big money that we can turn around and lend out, even if we're breaking even, but we can't stop lending money and then we are going to cross sell them. Then that thousand dollars may be worth, I mean, it may be worth a thousand at that point. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So free checking, uh, high payment checking, uh, student checking, one argument I was getting, well, what age are they students? They're Twelve years old. When do you start the? You can you can get these little checking product committee meetings and have five hours of discussion on the age to start a student checking account. Well, and all right, so let's stop real quick and talk about the motivation. Why do you want a student checking account? To get them early, so then you can keep them for life because you think your service is better than every other bank, and they won't leave. And look, to some point, that is true. Once I know people that have that bank with us, but still have a banking account from some other bank that say, well, it was the first one I got and I've got some nostalgia to it because I remember when my daddy took me in. Well, and you're, hopefully you're building relationships yeah. with somebody or whatever. But let's just go ahead and have the meeting about that. 
And, and, and let's let's face it, not like what do these people want? Blah, blah. We, we need to determine that. You know what they want? A checking account. A checking account. Yeah. And let's make it attractive to that person. You've got a one-time opportunity to buy a relationship at the cheapest you're ever going to buy it. High net worth, Mac Daddy worth $500 million, you got to pay him $1,000 on his account. When he's 12, you don't have to pay him that much. But you can go with a higher value to him because his worth of currency or her worth of currency is lower. You give him $100. That'll that'll net you the the bigger deposit later on. You could student checking for me is for obviously for students and is checking and the arguments you get in. Do, do they have the ability to ACH or get a direct deposit? They have, no. Don't, don't confuse. I would. This is a generalization, but I would guarantee if you walked into any class at any university in the country and said, "What is ACH? What is an ACH? What is direct deposit?" Maybe one or two college students would know. And they would all be in the finance department. Maybe. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe. So don't confuse students with banking and financial terms that they have not been exposed to in their lifetime and then expect them to be like, oh, well, that's great. I'll set up my water bill on my checking account. Nah, probably not. Now, ask them to make a P2P payment through Venmo or something in your system. Ask them maybe about Apple Pay. Ask them about how the app works. They're probably going to be way more of an expert than that high wealth person is. Well, so you've got to look at what the student knows and that they would want in a checking out. They do want those items. And their needs and what their state is in life. All right, you take the university student. Um, I, I've used this story, I don't think, on the podcast, but I've used it before. In the 90s, there was a certain bank that had one a, a, a Quicken, QuickBooks, Mint, type plug-in that would visualize your spending on on online banking. I mean, this is at the advent of online banking. And it I remember it nostalgically and I remember it well. I remember looking over at my roommate in college and like, yeah, I spent you know, 40% of my money at Walmart and 20% on food. And man, I'm I've really got to straighten some stuff out or I'm gonna be broke visualization of spending because these are and and look i'm whatever commentary on the the world right now parents aren't necessarily giving financial literacy because we we do that we we go into the schools and give the financial literacy classes so and they don't know jack a lot of times yeah. i mean and, we see it and we're not at a at a financially literate um, place in 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 our lifespan right now but Products like that that can take that fear away that you can help me manage the money that I do have. So that's a little bit of touch on student checking. I think the other is interest checking, which I think is good. It sounds cool. Like I always thought, why wouldn't everybody get the interest checking? Well, you got to have money to have it or it's just a pointless account to have. Uh, so you've got that senior checking. We touched a little bit about that. Uh, some banks do the senior trips that with senior checking, you get invited to go on. And again, they pay for them, but it's just the bank ends up being a kind of a travel coordinator uh, host for folks. And, and hey, we run that program called Primetime and it's packed out. I mean, I know it sounds people think, oh, people, <laughs> we do it. And there are people that get on buses to well, it's right up the countryside. Well, again, it's just like let's go back to the student with a with a financial visualization software. Let's call it generically because we don't have a sponsor that we would name at this phase. So, if you're you, listening, sponsors, give us a call. Yeah, I mean, we could have named one of one of you out there. Could have ta- had you on the. We could add you on the podcast. Yeah, and ask you a question, but you know, whatever. You're lost. Anyway, if you had some, the, the, it's not that the kid can't go get mint. 
because it's free out. Or yeah. MX or something like that. Well, no, we're not gonna mention anybody. No, that was in it. That was DMX. D- DMX. Where yeah. my where my dogs at? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, they could have gone out and gotten a product, right? That that. Those products exist as standalone. Mint is free. I mean, as far as I know, a senior can go out and plan their own vacation, but it's that value add that they don't have to. So I just think so many times we look at this as too complicated and we don't just look at it as, hey, this is a checking account with a gift. Rewards checking. Yeah. Rewards checking. We haven't even talked about that. There's many rewards checking out there. To use my cliche that I've actually used in plenty of interviews at the end of the day, the end of the day. I think it comes, but it's morning time. It is. It's morning time. But at the it's end of the day, in America. it comes down to really three final items, and that is, what is your client base? What is your client base? Because to me, that is what dictates what your checking is. What is your client base? Do you know what it is? Is it high net worth? Are you a wealth management type bank? Are you a rural free checking type bank? Are you a um, C&I bank? Are you on campus? Are you in you know Auburn, Alabama? You need. Are you a student checking bank? Are you trying to be everything to everybody? Yeah. Well, you you can try to be everything to everybody, but then that's when you get the twenty-seven checking accounts, and you got all these different bells and whistles. Uh, So, one is your client base. Uh, Two, I think dictates it more than anyone wants to admit is competition. And no one, no one colludes. Uh, Not that I'm aware of. I don't talk to any of the banks about their checking, but you see it. You see it, you know, here's this bank with this offer for $1,000 on my 10000 Here's this bank over here that's got free checking. Here's a bank over here that is a second-chance bank that wants to charge me seven fifty a month to have my account because I have a bad or a poor track record in the past, but it's a second-chance bank. So know your clients, which that's part of it, competition. And then finally, what product can you deliver? Well, and that's what I, and that's what I want to add. So that's this. the third is what can you deliver? Is, is the product itself... And know that product and look at it realistically. Don't just name your regular checking account student checking and not do anything different. Or give them like a special debit card. Or it's just Emperor has no clothes. Yeah. Actually make it valuable to attract that person and, and think through that. This was a discussion, obviously, just of checking accounts for those of you that listen to the Marketing Money Podcast at marketingmoneypodcast.com. At the end of this, we try to give tactical recommendations, and mine are just what I said, the three things. Know your clients. What type of client base do you work in? Don't try to market a product because it sounds cool to a client base that can't use it. So know your client base. Two, look at competition. See what they have. See what the banks that are, especially public banks, look at the strong performing banks. Look at their deposits. Look at what they're paying on deposits and say, you know what, if that's the bank we want to be or if we want to be like that bank, because every bank looks at competition, try to formulate a product that looks like that. And then finally, be able to deliver and execute. If you want to do rewards checking, if you want to have ACH, if you want to have a special debit card, if you want to have instant issue debit cards to get them, get your checking account holders quicker service to use their debit card. If you want to have uh, the best app or the best uh, online banking experience, uh, which is part of a checking account experience, make sure you can execute it because don't say it's the greatest, the most simple, as we know that company, uh, thing out there. And then it obviously isn't because there's that thing that is more simple. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, know your clientele, know your competition, and know what you can execute. And think about it from their perspective. Yes. Voice, not, not just from the bank. V- the VOC. Yep. The voice of the customer, VOC. Hello. Hello. I'm the voice of the customer. Um, well, we're going to end the voice of the customer. We're also going to end the voice of John and Josh right now. So thanks for tuning in. And until next time, check me and I'll check you back.
and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.